Without a doubt, the gift of speaking in tongues is the most controversial amongst all of the spiritual gifts. But perhaps it is for this reason so important for us to get to the bottom of it, to understand this gift and its correct application today. Because if we do away with, reject one or another spiritual gift of the Holy Spirit, do we not reject a part of the Holy Spirit and what God has for us today in his spirit? Today, we're going to be looking at a clip, a few clips from a brother called Paul Washer, a preacher who I greatly respect. He has done wonderful things for the kingdom of God and spreading the gospel. On this topic, he has a interesting opinion regarding this gift of speaking in tongues and that he describes himself to be a practical cessationist. In other words, he believes that while the gift has not ceased, it is not being practiced today anymore, considering how scripture describes the gift. So we're going to be looking at how he describes the gift, how he thinks scripture describes the gift. And then we're going to be testing it and seeing what is this gift and how does scripture describe it? Let's dive right in. First clip. You know, I see the arguments and stuff, but I can't say that I can say in my conscience that these things have ceased. But here's what I do do. Um, I look at what tongues are in the scriptures and I don't see them anywhere today. What I see in the scriptures as being tongues, and I compare that to, to people who say they speak in tongues, I see something completely different. So see, I, I, some people are cessationist. That means they believe tongues have ceased. I kind of call myself a practical cessationist in the sense that I do not say those things have ceased. I've seen God heal people. You know, but have I seen a man who had the gift of healing? No. All right. Well, so it's really interesting what he says, right? He talks about the gift of tongues and how he doesn't believe it ceased. However, he doesn't see it being exercised today. And he even goes as far as to describe the gift of healing and saying, well, how do I see someone with the gift of healing? He says no, even though he has witnessed God do miracles. Now, the first thought that I have about this, you know, is that if we believe, if we have a certain theology about the gift of tongues, about what it's what it is and what it looks like, yet when we look around us with that theology that we think it's supposed to be, what it's supposed to be, right. and we don't witness it anywhere, is that not a problem? Right. Does our theology affect the atmosphere of our spiritual walk with the Father? And is it impacting whether we are seeing these spiritual gifts in our lives and right. affecting the lives of others around us? Right. Not only that, but is it yeah. not a problem also if God is not doing the things that are all over the Bible? Like, is he the same God are we living in the same age of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit right. or has God retracted his spirit and his gifts? You know, that is the first red flag that I would wonder about, mm. because when I read the book of Acts, you know, what I see is just a book full of miracles within the early church done by the, both the hands of the apostles and the hands of other people who weren't super believers. Right. Uh, so that's the first thing. And, and, and the next thing is, 
could it be that the issue of us not seeing things could be lying with men? Could it be that as people, the reason that we don't see, for example, someone rise up in our circles who is a man with the gift of healing, could it be because our circle teaches that the gift of healing is something that is not around today anymore? Because, see, ultimately, if we teach each other that the gift of healing is not around today anymore, and we would obviously persecute anyone who who then who says they have that, mm-hmm. then, well, we won't have anyone arise in our midst who claims that or even walks that out, who dares walking it out, who dares believing for that in the Lord. Right. So, you know, that's the other thing is, we need to really, I think if we don't see these things, I would be, I'm, I would be concerned about that. I would be like, man, like the Bible says it's for real, but I don't see it in my life. I don't see it in the lives of people around me. Isn't there something wrong with right. me or is there something wrong with God? Right. Was spirit? it just for the disciples back then? Or is it for all disciples of Jesus, of Yeshua going forward? in everything Yeshua commanded them to walk out as his disciples in the Great Commission, everything else he instructed Mm. them to do. Did that stop with just those that walked with him physically or does it extend to all who are now walking with him? Mm. It's really interesting because in the book of Acts, it's it's described, you know, Peter gets up just in in chapter two there Mm. and he talks about the, uh, what just happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And he said, he quoted the prophet Joel who said, in the last days, right. we will have uh, young men dream dreams. We have visions. We have all these Prophesied. wonders. We have, you know, all these things happen in these days as the prophet um, prophesied. And, and now, so is this not, are we not in the last days anymore? <laughs> Those were the last days back then. And we're just, yeah. <laughs> the last days ended. Okay. Um, no, no, of course. We're still in the last days. We're still in the that last began, days. began, that inaugurated the last day period, you can say, the yeah. final day. Yeah. And and so I think the, the next question is, is you know, wh- mm. how do we define, mm. for example, the gift of healing? How do we define the gift of speaking in tongues? Because if we define it in a way that is different from Scripture, then we won't see it in the world around us because we'll be looking for something that isn't there and doesn't exist and will never exist. Now, I know with what Paul Washer shared, and again, like I've watched so many of his sermons and messages and it's blessed me so much. And um, yeah, no, he's definitely done so much for the kingdom. But a lot of the understanding that what he mentioned about tongues and speaking in tongues, he doesn't see it being practiced today is because many believers have this understanding that speaking in tongues is only speaking an earthly language. And the reason why they might have come to this conclusion is because they see in Acts 2, Peter and the disciples, they're speaking in tongues. And then at a certain point in this period, there are people who come from other areas who are like, wait, you're speaking my language. You're speaking a language you don't know. However, is speaking in tongues limited to speaking only an earthly language or is it larger than that? Does Mm. it extend beyond that? Mm. Right. That is really the big question, yeah. right? And I think that's where a lot of the debate regarding the gift of tongues boils down to. You know, when we look at, for example, the mm-hmm. gift of healing and we look at, um, uh, say, uh, what does it mean for a man to be a man with the gift of healing? Right. You know, it can be easily 
perceive that, well, that means that it's someone who prays for people and whenever they pray, the person gets healed, right? And, and I think that many people, uh, I, I'm not, I can't speak for Paul Washer himself, but many people believe that. And that's when they would say something like, well, if you have the gift of healing, why don't you just go to the hospital and, and clean out the hospital? Why don't you just, you know, solve world disease, right. that issue in the world? But that's not what the gift of healing is means and what it's about because even jesus himself did not go to the leper colonies and clean out all leprosy from the world in his day that's just not what it was and so in the same way we also see Ephrophroditus, a man that paul uh, came across who was sick nearly died we have timothy paul describes him saying oh you're sick please take some uh, wine for your stomach why did paul not just heal him just because someone has a gift of healing doesn't mean that everyone they pray for gets healed. We still have God who performs a miracle and God still has a sovereign will and God and there's and it's a complicated subject, of course. But the point is just that not everyone uh, we pray for gets healed, even if we have the gift of healing. But it does mean that the person who is gifted and that will see many miracles. They will see many great things in their lives as they pursue that gift and faith. But the reason why they see those miracles is because they are actually pursuing it, like you mentioned. They are actually stepping right. out and walking it out. Right. If they did not, they would not see. Yes, exactly. If you believe that it's not for today, you're not going to pursue it. You're not going to go after. You're not going to go after that thing. Right. And if the atmosphere that you're you're um, fostering in your congregation or your church or your community is that these gifts don't exist anymore or no one really practices it correctly today, you're not fostering an atmosphere that would encourage people to step out in faith and to walk out and to even to pray to ask for these gifts at all. So then therefore you don't see them. Yeah, exactly. So with that being said, let's dive into clip number two where Paul goes on. Here's what I think. I, I believe tongues in the book of Acts, every time it occurs, it is a it is a real phonetic language. Okay, so he describes this um, as tongues in his mind as being a real language. Mm -hmm. Every time he says it's described in the book of Acts, that's what it's talking about. And we see that in the book of Acts clearly according to right. him. Acts chapter two. Yes. Well, Acts chapter two, exactly. And and that is the example we have. In fact, that is the only real example that we usually run to because you know paul said that every example in acts has that mm -hmm. example of people speaking in real uh, phonetic languages but that's mm -hmm. just not the case okay it's not hard to see because yes acts chapter 2 verse 4 we see the people hearing um in their own language understanding and understanding yeah. it however when we read on for example acts chapter uh, 10 46 it says, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Okay, this is another place where people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, praised God. But there's no one there who is speaking a foreign language. This is different from Acts chapter 2, the context. And so because there's no one there, the, the question really is, why are they speaking in tongues if there is no one there from a foreign nation who is about to who is supposed to be hearing what they have to say right i mean the question really is if speaking in tongues is only let's go on that line you know an earthly a mm. phonetic language like paul washer uh, mentions why would i need to speak in tongues 
to extol God if I'm speaking to God? Why would I need to speak in Swedish or Zulu or Chinese yes. in a tongue, a different an earthly language? If I'm just speaking to God, what benefit does that give? That's a good question, right? Let's look at another uh, uh, verse here, Acts 19, verse 6. Okay, And when Paul had laid his hands on them, to baptize them in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Okay, same question we have to yeah. bring up. Who is there to hear this in their own native phonetic language? Right. Who is going to be edified? Well, these people got baptized in the Holy Spirit and they start speaking. We see this pattern, but here there's no proof that this was speaking in a, a real other language. Now, you know, this is not proof either way, but I'm just making the point that this is n not a proof text that we can use. It's saying, right. well, every time in the book of Acts, they're speaking. No, one time in the entire Bible, that happened that way. Yeah. But does that mean that it can only look like that when the other um, proof texts aren't as descriptive? Okay, now the big question, mm -hmm. I guess, is, does our theology make the above events that I just described possible as to be as to be a reality in our lives? And you know what I just mean by that is if we believe like Paul Washer believes, only phonetic languages and so forth, do we see people when we lay hands on them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, do we see them start speaking in tongues sometimes and prophesying sometimes? Does that happen ever, ever, like in our congregations, if we hold this belief? Or does these do these things never happen? I want to submit to you that the fruit of our belief, of our theology, will be very evident. If our theology causes us to never see people speak in tongues when we lay hands on them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's something wrong with our theology by the fruit that it produces because it's not producing the same fruit that, that Paul's theology or Peter's theology produced and that when they lay hands on people, people start speaking in tongues and prophesying. Okay, even if that's in a, a foreign language, well, however it wants, if you want it to be that way, well, then let it be in the way that Scripture describes these events to happen and the fruit that it's supposed to produce. But if these things never happen, there's something wrong, isn't there? Like we have to be consistent with Scripture in applying our beliefs and how we interpret it. Now, are you saying that every single time someone gets baptized or is baptized in the Holy Spirit, they have to speak in tongues? Is that the mark, the sign, the proof that they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, that they have to speak in tongues or prophesy? Mm. How would you answer That's that? That's a good question, right? I think many yeah. people have taught this, right? That you, yeah. you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit if you can't speak in tongues mm. or if you haven't speak. No, I don't believe that. Yeah. I think that the... Uh, that's an extreme, extremist view on the other yeah. side of this whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's very simple. It's just that we need to be, um, uh, we, we, we will start operating spiritual gifts. We will start walking in the spirit. And there are also a multitude of gifts. Right. And it can be whichever one. All right. So I don't think there's a, a singular sign. There are signs that will yes. come but it's not necessarily speaking in tongues. Like we read in many cases, it just says even, oh, and they prophesied. All right, so let's uh, look at the next clip. But if a man walks in from Uzbekistan and I begin to talk to him the gospel in his dialect, everybody's going to know something's going on. Right, so everyone's going to know something's going on if, if, some, if we go and we start speaking in 
um, a different language and they can be like, wow, this is a miracle and this is this is wonderful and this is powerful. And, and that is that is, I agree totally with that. Praise God, because that is part of what speaking in tongues yes. is. However, how will we practically do this where when we when we're afraid of the idea of, you know, as many have described it to be um, gibberish or, mm. um, or making words up or, or, or yeah. things of that nature. Let's just say that we are in a missions field or we're in front of a person who can't speak, um, or who we can't speak their language. Right. And we want, we, this is a perfect place and God is going to do this miracle of speaking in tongues through right. us. You've gone to an African tribe to minister and preach the right. gospel and you don't speak their language specifically. Right. And God know. is about to do this. He wants yeah. to do this through us. Let's just yeah. make a, a scenario. Yeah. How do I enter that gift? How do I practice that gift? If, if the language is Zulu, mm. how do I start speaking in Zulu? Like, how do I, am I, is God going to, let's practically talk about this. Right. Is God going to come and start taking over my mouth and controlling it? And I'm like a puppet on strings. Right. Or is it like all the other spiritual gifts where I need to walk up to a person and pray for them to get healed? You or need the first step to step out of the boat that Peter had to do, stepping onto the water. He had to take the first step so he could step onto the water right. and stand on that water. The same thing for tongues. You have to open your mouth and ideally to have been practicing this gift so that you are comfortable in this gift. You've been doing it in maybe your private prayer time so that when in a moment God wants you to speak to someone in their language, you open up your mouth and what comes out of your mouth is that person's language. But it's because you've already been practicing that gift that that can happen. Right. That's a good point. And, you know, we read in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, Paul describes the gift and he says this, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So if we would want to argue that there has to be a fruitful mind behind this gift, what does it mean for the mind to be fruitful? It means the mind has reason. The mind is is from the mind. We are speaking words that have that are structured, that are are earthly in the way we would speak to one another that are, you know, that's that is that is what we mean, mean by fruitful mind. You can think, you can work with your mind. But this, he says, in this case, he says, there is a manifestation of the gift of tongues where the mind is unfruitful. Right. You do not, what you are saying does not come from your mind. It comes, he says, from the spirit. The spirit utters through him, through her, whoever he's speaking through. I want to submit to you that maybe this is why someone like Paul Washer would say, I don't witness the gift of tongues around me. I, I, I don't believe they've ceased, but I don't witness them around me because we're always, we're looking for a certain manifestation that isn't necessarily fully described in scripture. And, and what I mean by that is that there, we're going to look into it more now when we look at to the next clip, but I want to submit to you that there's something more that's going on in the scriptures that is not being seen by many people. Let's just look at what he says next and let's discuss it. And the fact that they say in 1 Corinthians 14, well, you know, it's an unknown tongue there. No one understands him. And in the book of Acts, when they spoke, everyone understood them. But in 1 Corinthians, they speak and no one understands. So it's a different kind of tongue. No, no one understands because no one spoke the language there that he was speaking and there was no interpreter to interpret it. You see? Right. So he brings up a good point. OK, mm -hmm. I'm going to before we discuss this part, um, I would like us to read this 
verse that he is talking about. Um, in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, we read, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Okay, so Paul Washer said that, yeah. well, this verse is brought up often, how um, it says that no one understands him if you speak in a tongue. And, but yet, now look in Acts 2, well, people did understand Obviously, And so in this case, it must have been just because there was no one who spoke that language in the audience on that specific day. Yeah. So he says that, yeah. well, no one understands him just because, well, in that day, there was people who didn't have that specific language was being uttered yeah. on that particular day. Right. Okay. However, that reasoning, that reason given of, well, the reason is that there is no one in that day who was there to understand it is not what Paul says the reason is that no one understands. Paul does give us the reason of why no one understands in this particular case. And he says, for the one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, but to God. He says that's why no one understands him. Because the whole point in this case of speaking in tongues is not to speak to a man is not for a man to even understand. That's not the point at all. This is so key. It's not to speak to any man. It is to speak to God. And as he goes on to say, because you're speaking in the mysteries of the spirit and what in the world is the mysteries? What it, what is that? But you're not speaking to men. So we need to now think about this in a different way. You're not speaking to men. So why would you need to speak an earthly, a human language if you're not speaking to men, if you're speaking to God? Why can you not speak a heavenly language? Right. And, uh, you know, if we read it further, we read uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 4, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So so now he's even going further. He's, he's saying not only is this a person who, who speaks in a tongue, who speaks not to men, but to God, but also he's not speaking to build up anyone else, but to build up himself. Okay, so now we're, this is kind of strange, right? Because now we're getting to a place where, he, we are talking, it seems, about two different things. Otherwise, we're getting, we're starting to get to some contradictions here. When we look at, okay, you know, first off, it was said, tongues is just speaking in a, uh, a foreign phonetic language. But now we're getting across, com- coming across verses who says there's sometimes a case where you can speak in tongues, speak not to men, but to God. No one understands and for the purpose of building up himself, not for building up anyone else, not for speaking to anyone else, not for anyone else to to interpret or know what you're saying, but for building up himself, whatever that means, right? We're going we're gonna to get into that. But I want you to start considering that there's something more here that Paul is talking about and that there's another application for the gift of tongues. That is not just the the interpret the uh, speaking in a foreign phonetic language. Paul t- continues and describes it. And he says, thus t- tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Okay, hold up. Before I go further, we just read him say earlier, the gift of tongues is not for uh, is not for men, but to, but to speak to God. Yeah. Now he's saying it's not for believers, but for unbelievers. But are unbelievers not men? I mean, <laughs> right? Like, what in the world are you saying, Paul? Unbelievers <laughs> you just contradicted yourself. Yeah. Right. Okay, let's go or on. Did he? Well, prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. 
If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say you're out of your mind? Okay, <laughs> so so yeah. he, he, now he is saying that, okay, it's not for believers, but unbelievers. But if unbelievers enter the church, they're going to think you're crazy when you do it. If you're all doing it at the same time. Yes, yes. That's key. Right, right. Yeah. So there are so many things that seem to be contradictory, right? Um, unbelievers or not to believers, speaking to men or not to men, um, to build up your, himself or to build up unbelievers. Mm -hmm. You know, what's really going on here? It's really he's, the question. He's saying opposites. And so how in the world can you make sense of what Paul is saying when he's saying two separate, two totally different opposing things is with the possibility he is speaking about two different things, two different manifestations of a gift of tongues. Let's read two more verses and we'll see, because I think he's about to make give us a bit more clarity. In 1 Corinthians 14, 27, he says, if any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and in each turn, let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each one of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Okay, now this is interesting. The first verse that we just read here in verse 27, he talks about how um, you speak one at a time. Don't everyone speak at the same time. Okay, this right. is in a church setting so that people aren't thinking like you're crazy. What's going on? I'm confused because it just would sound crazy for everyone to speak, even in English, by the way, at the same time. I mean, even as Paul did say at the end of that chapter, kind of did to go to mm -hmm. the end, he did say to do everything in decency and, and order. with order. And so having everyone speak in tongues at the same time, there would be no order. And God is a God of order, not yeah. of chaos. Right, right. So yes, it's very important that we speak one at a time and in, yeah. a, in a church setting mm -hmm. and let there be an interpreter to help interpret so that there's edification for others. Because right. the, the church of Corinth was struggling with this. They were not, they were, it's not that, I mean, you know, some have said that they were busy with something totally different like pagan practice or something, but that's not the case. Paul doesn't mention that at all. He's, he's just saying, guys, you're practicing this gift in a way that is not correct in that you're practicing it. However, you are causing disorder and confusion because you're all yeah. talking at the same time, which we could argue the same if everyone just talked at the same time in any right. language. doesn't really matter. Right. right. And simply because this thing is this whole spiritual gift thing is very new. <laughs> um, so, of course, there's going to be corrections to be made on like, okay, no, it needs to look more like this. So that first verse, right, he said that, but then the, he talked about let there be someone to interpret. But then he says, if there's no one to interpret, let everyone speak silent and pray to him, uh, pr pr speak to himself and to God. What do we call it, right, when we speak to God? What do you call it? When you go alone, mm. you speak to with yourself and to God. What what is that? Prayer. That's that's prayer. Mm. So so when you go into your prayer closet, you speak to your himself and God, to yourself and to God. Right. And that's what is being described. He is saying, if you have a word to share, share it indecently and in order in the church that there be an interpreter so that people in the church can be edified by it right. so they can understand what's being said praise god makes sense but if there is no interpreter he doesn't just say okay well then don't don't speak he says then speak to yourself and to god just like he said earlier about well some people will speak in a tongue and no one understands him for that tongue is for you to speak 
to God, right. not to men. That's the purpose of that tongue in that moment, why God gave it mm. for you in that moment. And then in another place, we, we read about how it's personal edification, building up the individual, the person, not building up other people by them understanding what is being said, but building up the individual. And so we are seeing now that, well, it's kind of obvious, isn't it, that there is a gift of tongues, amen, like Acts chapter 2, where we see people um, speaking in, in another phonetic language and they understand it and it's a miracle. And this is what Paul meant when he said it's for unbelievers. Remember he said Why? the gift is for unbelievers. Yes, that's what he's talking about there. Unbelievers are hearing it, they're seeing it, they're like, wow, this is a miracle. How can you know my language? And they come to faith. That's an application. Amen. But then he describes it that sometimes there's going to be a tongue given to someone and they're going to speak it. But it's not for the purpose of that. It's not for the purpose of speaking to men. It's for the purpose of speaking to God. It's for the purpose of building himself up. It's for the purpose of prayer. And that's a prayer. Just like when you pray in English, you build up yourself. You can pray in the spirit. You can pray in tongues where the Holy Spirit bubbles up inside of you. Just like when those people were baptized in the spirit, as we read, and he speaks through you and you speak not with your mind. The mind is unfruitful, but the spirit is speaking and praying through you so that you can speak words that your English tongue is not even capable of receiving, of achieving. And, and what I mean by that is sometimes we have words that we cannot even other inside of our spirits that can only be uttered by the Holy Spirit as he intercedes for us when we speak in tongues. And that, my friends, is what Paul is talking about. He's not contradicting himself. This is not like some. But if we have a perception that this gift is only to to speak in a phonetic language and nothing but that, then we can't make it fit into what Paul is describing if we can if we take every verse into consideration. We can only really believe that if we choose which verses we decide to completely read and choose which parts we would like to conveniently keep out. We have to read it and we have to make sure that our theology fits into what reality is. And perhaps then we will see people exercising, speaking in tongues around us. And let me just say this, you know, mm. on this topic. There are many people out there who who do not speak in tongues, but yet they 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 say they do. There are many out there who who practice the gift of healing. And they say they do, but they don't actually practice it. Mm. And they're they're false. They have false healings. And they make it right. Okay. There there is falsehood out there. Mm. But the falsehood should not turn us away from the reality of what God wants to do in our midst. Mm. Just like the serpent with uh, in front of Pharaoh. You know, Moses' staff turns into a snake. Pharaoh's sorcerers, they have their snake. Should their snake turn us off from the fact that Moses' snake is legit from God and about to eat Pharaoh's snakes? No, we know that God does things. Satan tries to copy and there is falsehood in the world. But that should not turn us away from what God is doing. And the question is, if you have come to a place in your walk where you realize that the gifts, the Holy Spirit have not ceased, like Paul Washer, he mentioned in his video clips that we shared, are you fostering an atmosphere where you can see these spiritual gifts happening and occurring in your life? And are you desiring them? 
Yes, that's yeah. a good point. Because if we don't create an atmosphere where these things could be practiced yeah. um, easily without people feeling that they will be nailed for it and judged right. for it, you know, it, you know, if they feel that way, we will never see people rise up in their yeah. giftings, even if it was something God wanted to do with his Holy Spirit mm. today. What if there's circles of people God wants to move in with his spirit, but he can't because people just would not never allow his spirit to do things like that through them. So right. do you have to speak in tongues in order to be saved? No, this no. is not about that. Mm-mm. Do you have to speak in tongues to be a true Christian or to be a better Christian uh, than other Christians? No. no. Will it benefit you to speak in tongues? Well, yes, it will benefit you because any spiritual gift, exercising it, will be of benefit for us. It is what God told us to do. Now, the last thing that I would like to just add to this is that Paul, if we want to use Paul's writings as means of discussing the gift of tongues. The Apostle Paul. Yes, the Apostle Paul, (laughs) not Paul Washer. (laughs) We want to use Apostle Paul's writings um, to to talk about speaking in tongues. And we want to use his writings to speak down on the gift of tongues, to toss it aside, uh, to reject it, to criticize the gift. And that is specifically the speaking in tongues, the both versions that we've talked about, the earthly phonetic as well as heavenly language that's speaking to God, not to men, the mysteries of the spirit. Yes, as Paul is describing it, right? right? Then we have to make sure that we have Paul's Mm -hmm. heart. Because, and what I mean by that is, is Paul describes his heart behind everything he is saying in this chapter. For example, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, I want you all to speak in tongues. Now, if we argue against speaking in tongues or against some form of it, but we don't want people to speak in tongues, then we, are, we don't have Paul's heart. And we can't use his, 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 his words to come against people because his heart is, I want you all to speak in tongues. So we must make sure that we want all people to speak in tongues too. He also says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. In other words, he, he, Paul speaks in tongues often. He practices it and he wants us to do it. And if we don't hold to that for others, and if we don't uh, desire others to speak in tongues, or if we don't speak in tongues, if we are against it, how can we use Paul's words in that way, right? And then he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy, do not forbid it. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Now, if we forbid speaking in tongues, how can we try and use Paul's scriptures, his verses, to to do that, to forbid it. When Paul emphatically says, do not use my words to forbid speaking in tongues. Do not use my words to think that I don't want you all to speak in tongues. Do not use my words to think that I don't myself speak in tongues more than all of you. Right. Uh, so, brothers and sisters, uh, I hope that this makes you think a little bit more about this gift. I find it incredibly important. And we speak about it quite often because this is the con- most controversial and one that is probably most, most misunderstood, most misunderstood and, and pushed aside. And I believe that this is a, like a gateway. Mm. If you reject one part of the Holy Spirit, you reject a large part of him in your life. 
Because you will find that if you understand the gift of tongues, you will suddenly start understanding the gift of healing more. You will start understanding all the other mm. gifts more. But if you misunderstand the gift of tongues and reject yes. it, you will struggle to operate in the rest of the spiritual gifts as well. And it's incredible what we've seen operating in these spiritual gifts, the, the gift of tongues. We've seen demons cast out. We have seen people healed. And it's simply taking that step in faith. It doesn't have to make sense to our finite human minds because God is so much far above us. But simply, Father, I want what you want. I want to have everything that you desire for me, Father. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and let me walk as you walk, as your son walked and bring freedom to this earth. Amen. Amen. So, uh, brothers and sisters, I hope this blessed you. We'll see you guys in the next video. Share this one, like it, and subscribe to this channel for more videos just like this one. Many blessings. Shalom. Shalom.